Well, good morning, Northside Medina. It is good to be here. I have wanted to be up here for such a long time. It, it is such a neat thing to see so many new faces, and I hope to have a chance to get to meet you. I've wanted to come up here like every four months or something. It just kind of hadn't happened because... Uh, because I've been getting around just a little bit. Uh, but if you don't know me, I'm Robin Hart. I'm the senior minister in Northside down in Wadsworth. And I have been there for 38 years, 8 months, 14 days, 10 hours, and 10 and a half hours. Uh, but like, who's counting, right? And God has blessed us so, so tremendously uh, that we were able to open a separate campus here uh, with Medina. And uh, it is so wonderful to partner with you, to be, two, to be one church in like two locations and uh, to work together. And uh, some of those projects that we have worked together on is uh, our recent trip to Africa. In fact, uh, you see some people here in orange shirts. Uh, we were part of the team that went to Africa, and it was absolutely one of the best trips that I think I've ever led. We have been running mission trips for about 35, 36 years, and it was absolutely one of the best. I think one of the reasons was because not only did we go to Africa, but we had uh, 28 of us, 27 of us. We had a doctor, we had a, a surgical nurse, we had three other nurses, and we were able to do more medically than we have ever done before. But part of that, it is a team effort. We have to do it through the church because we collected about 200 suitcases. We collected, the last I knew, was 480 pounds of Smarties. And the reason for that is because we want to give the children some kind of little gift of candy. And so you all know what Smarties is. Those kids unwrap it and eat one at a time and wrap it back up because they never, ever get candy. And so we had, a, that, by the way, translates to about 12,000 Smarties. Do you know we were at 10 schools? And somewhere around 10,000 children there. And we started out the week with a youth conference. There's about 1,000 children there. So every child got Smarties. At the youth conference, we also passed out uh, small Gideon Bibles. We passed out crosses and pencils to every child. It, it was absolutely phenomenal. And so if you, if, you, if you went, if you gave, if you supported, if you prayed, whatever, we want to thank you because there is no way that we could have ever done it by ourselves. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, I don't have time to talk about all the different stories because, believe me, there's a lot of stories that come out of a trip like that. And so, you look at the people that have orange shirts, you feel free to ask them any question you want to go. Some people don't want to go because they're afraid. They're afraid if they go over there, they might have to eat monkey meat or something. Uh, no, we didn't eat monkey meat. Everything was good. Absolutely phenomenal. So, check with them. Uh, so, but I want to talk a little bit about that. First of all, I want to ask you, what is the purpose of Christ? Why did Christ even come to this earth? Because that's part of the purpose of the church. So if you look in the scriptures, I think it's in Luke, uh, it says this, the son of man came to seek and save that which is lost. Did you know that was the whole reason that Jesus Christ came to this earth? Because we were sinners, we were lost, we didn't have any way to salvation. So Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which is lost. And the scripture also teaches that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Okay, look at these scriptures. The first one I believe is in Colossians. Then it says this, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning of the supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. 
He also basically says the same thing in Ephesians. And in Ephesians, it says this, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. And so it just goes to reason, if, G if the purpose of Christ was to come to this earth and seek and save that which is lost, and he's the head of the church, then the church ought to have the same purpose as uh, as Christ does. And so let's talk about the purpose of the church. Why do we exist as a church in Wadsworth or as a church in Medina? Why do we even exist? And sometimes I think churches kind of miss out on that purpose. And I don't ever want Northside and Wadsworth and Medina to ever forget what that purpose is. So let's look at the purpose of, of the church. Just before Jesus went into heaven, he gave what has been called the Great Commission. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. By the way, the word nations is not the normal word for nations. It is the Greek word ethnos, and it comes from the word, uh, that's where we get our English word ethnic. So he's not saying just go to every nation in the world. He's saying go to every people group in every country in every nation. Why? Because he doesn't want anybody to miss out. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so make, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Do you know he says basically the same thing in the Gospel of Mark? Chapter 16, he says, he said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. If you go further in the Gospel of John, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name, the book of Acts. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and uh, uh, to the ends of the earth. And so if you look at the purpose of Christ, it's the same as the purpose of the church. Our church exists. In fact, somebody said that the church is the only organization in the world that really exists for people outside of the organization. So we exist to win other people to Jesus Christ here and all around the world. Now, that has been, it's recorded in all four gospels. It's found in the book of Acts. And some people say that it's really woven all the way through the New Testament. Now, why then, why then don't churches do that? I don't think churches intentionally drift away from the purpose, but yet they, they begin doing lots of other things that begin to pull them away from what truly is the purpose of the church. And so you can even read scripture like that, and, and God can be speaking, and for, for, for people don't really kind of pay attention. And you wonder why that is. Well, just recently, we came back from Africa. We've had some several long, long flights. And every airplane, if you've ever been on an airplane, you basically see the same thing. The flight attendant gets up and it begins to go through this safety protocol, teach you how to put your seatbelt on, right? And I'm kind of thinking, if you don't know how to put a seatbelt on, you probably shouldn't be flying, right? Uh, they, they talk about the oxygen mass that drops, and they go through that entire safety protocol. And if you've been on a plane, every single plane basically does the same thing. But if you look around and look at the crowd, most of them are not paying attention. Now, why aren't they paying attention? Now, I figure there's got to be a couple of reasons why they're not paying attention. Number one is they probably feel like um, it's not relevant. Because think about it. If they, if they thought the plane was going to crash, then they wouldn't get on that plane, right? 
And so they must not think it's going to crash, so therefore it's not relevant. So they don't pay attention. Another reason, I think, is maybe because they have heard that same spiel on every plane they've ever got on, and so therefore they already know it. And because they already know it, they don't have to pay attention to that. And I would figure if that plane would go down, most people say, man, I should have listened. I should have listened. What did she say about that? I think it's the same thing in the church. I think that either one, sometimes people think that it's not really that relevant because, well, after all, I'm saved, my family's saved, and we're going to heaven, don't worry about it. Or they have grown up in the church, and they think, you know, I've heard that message over and over and over again, so they don't pay any attention anymore. And so why is it they don't do that? And I think really it's kind of the same reason. And so, so Jesus, the purpose of, the, of Christ and the purpose of the church is to is to get the word out, to win people to Jesus Christ, for this church to grow. So if you all have family and friends, you bring them on the north side next week, Medina, okay? Because we'd love to pack this place out. By the way, every week I have to preach two sermons. I used to have to preach three. They'd give me three times to get it right. Uh, but now with Medina, I only have to preach twice. Jeff only has to preach once. So you fill up this place so he has to at least do two sermons, okay? We, I'd, I'd appreciate that. So, so our job is to get the word out. Now, how do you get the word out? Well, you know what churches do a lot of times? They take their cue from the world. Well, how does the world do it? Well, they, they get the word out. And so most of the time, they just put up signs, uh, like we have signs out there. Uh, and, and so sometimes that's all we do. Uh, here's some signs that I have found through the years. Uh, maternity clothes shop. We're open on Labor Day. I like the one on the maternity room door. Push, push, push. <laughs> Optometrist. You'll like this one. Maybe you put it up on your door. If you don't see what you're looking for, you've come to the right place. Uh, vet, veterinarian's office. Uh, be back in five minutes. Sit. Stay. And so, so sometimes we think we, we get that. By, by the way, I like a couple of other ones. Uh, in the classified ads, people used to do the newspapers. They don't really do newspapers so much anymore, but they still try to sell things. Listen to these two ads. These are two of my favorites. Nordic Track, $300. Hardly used. Call Chubby. <laughs> nice parachute. Never opened. Used only once. Slightly stained. Wait. Um, and so churches take that same cue, think, okay, well, we're just going to advertise by putting, putting in a paper, putting it in uh, on the internet, or, or we're going to put a sign out in front of the church. And there has been some clever ones through the years. For instance, like free trip to heaven, details inside, come in and pray today, beat the Christmas rush. One of my favorites, how will you spend eternity? Smoking or non-smoking? Uh, uh, have trouble sleeping? We have a sermon. Uh, come and hear one. I'm not so sure I really like that one too well. Um, but uh, God works through people. Now, one of the stories that came out of Africa, maybe you heard it a week or two ago uh, from the pulpit up here, because I know that Henry, who's the drummer sometimes, uh, told this story. But when we were going on one of our 16-hour van rides, uh, which ended up being longer than 16 hours, because a semi jackknifed in front of the road, they were carrying thousands thousands of bricks and it dumped the load all right there in front of the road uh, uh, in front of the road and we couldn't get around we tried to get around it, but we couldn't get around it and so we sat there for a few minutes and then it wasn't very long before our team gets out and they start moving bricks and then all these Africans they get out and they start moving bricks as well and before you know it thousands of bricks are moved off the road 
the semi was able to pull out and pull away from the, the bricks. And then they, the, the entire group out there with all the Africans are cleaning the road. And in just really a few minutes time, the road was clear and we took off. And you know, God does his work, but he works a lot of times through people. Do you know that bears witness in the scripture? Look at what the Bible says in Romans chapter 10. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless some, someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. And so God's going to work through people. If he's going to save this world, he's going to work through people like the church, like you folks, like our folks in, in Northside, like these mission trips. Uh, God is going to work through people. And how are people going to hear unless they hear it from somebody? And how are they going to go unless they're sent? Um, and so last week in, in Northside, I told this story that I don't think I'd really ever shared in the pulpit. But when I was in high school, you know, I was in sports. It was a small school. And so my senior year, we had the athletic banquet that they do every year for all the athletic teams that year. And all their parents were there and their families. And it was a big deal in our little town. And as a senior, they asked me if I would lead the prayer. And to be honest with you, I was too afraid. I couldn't do that. I couldn't speak in public, let alone I couldn't pray. There's no way. Absolutely not. And so I turned them down. Well, they asked another fellow that was on the basketball team. And to be honest, in my opinion, I know I shouldn't judge. But I thought he was probably one of the biggest hypocrites I ever knew. And they asked him to pray. He accepted and he prayed. I cannot tell you how guilty I felt because I had the opportunity and I turned it down. And so I made a promise to God right then and there. I said, God, if you ever open a door again, I will do my absolute best to walk through that door. That has been an incredible way to live. I want to encourage you guys to make that kind of promise to God, too. If God opens a door, you do your absolute best. You'd be surprised at where he will take you and what he will do and what he will accomplish through you and your life. It's absolutely amazing. It's mind-boggling to me. I never, ever would have imagined I would run mission trips and been in six continents and build three churches and, and help thousands and thousands of people. I never would have known that. But I can't do it by myself. It has to be through our church. It has to be through our people because God works through people. Because part of my job is not to do all the work. Part of my job is to enlist and equip and recruit. But look what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will ma be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So in other words, my job is not to do all the work. My job is to help to facilitate that so we all do the work of the Lord. And that multiplies what's happening, not only in Wadsworth and Medina, but in Medina County and ultimately all around the world. So that brings me to not just the purpose of Christ, not just the purpose of the church, but the purpose of Christians. 
And, and so what is our purpose as a Christian? I would wager to say it is exactly the same as the purpose of Christ, exactly the same purpose of that church, uh, of the church. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. You shall be my witnesses. I mean, it bears out. That's our purpose as a Christian. So I have to ask myself, as a located pastor in a church, how can I carry out the Great Commission? If our job is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creation, to every nation, to every ethnic group, make disciples of Jesus Christ, how can I do that? Well, there's only two ways, really, that I feel like I could do that. Number one is we can, we can send we can support missionaries, which we do by 17% of our income. In fact, last year, we gave over $314,000 to the mission field, as well as uh, lots of other things, too, that we've given and supported through the years. And that's absolutely amazing what God can do. And so you either have to send or maybe you can go. So you go or send. And not, not everybody can go. But as I've tried to evaluate my life, I think I... I am in an opportunity where I can go. And so the mission trips for me has been a very viable option to fulfill the Great Commission, to make disciples of all nations, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And, and God has blessed us in that. And what I see there is it is a win-win. It is every way you look at it, it is a win. It is a win for the missionaries because... They, they know that they are loved, they are supported, that somebody cares about them, somebody cares about their work. It's, it's a blessing to the churches or the schools that we go to. In fact, it was so neat. One of the schools that we went to, they're in Africa. It's been, our, I think, our fourth or fifth trip to Africa uh, over the last probably 15 years or 12 years maybe. And one of the schools that had like, I don't know, 1,200 people, uh, children, in the school, we had never been to, but, but they had been asking for us. And so we went. They didn't even have a church there. But we went there that day. We took the medical team with us. And in fact, it was really sad because at the end of that day, we had to close up because we had to leave and, and go back to the village. And uh, the people, as we closed the door in, in that little old rundown school building, they, they started trying to push the door open because they were so desperate to see the doctors and the nurses. They started reaching through their hands through the window because they were so desperate. In fact, I received an email just shortly after that from that pastor, and that was the first time that a group had ever come to visit with him. And now, last Sunday, they baptized 62 adults because of the gospel of Jesus Christ was preached. Isn't that awesome? And now they have a church there, and they were supposed to baptize nine more people today. And so it's just absolutely awesome. And that's because a group of people from Medina County, Ohio, goes to Africa and makes a difference in their life. And, and so it encourages the nationals. It helps churches. It, it, it builds facilities. Uh, by the way, the people that go, Northern Church, we all pay our own way. Uh, that's our airfare, our our uh, meals, our transportation, our fuel, uh, all the extra things that we are able to do there. And so it doesn't even come out of the church's budget, which is another several thousand dollars that are given to the mission field, which is incredible. Uh, but e even visitors, when the preacher's gone, they'll say, well, where's your preacher? And well, he's on a mission trip to Africa. And then people all of a sudden realize that, hey, maybe this is group is serious about fulfilling the mission of Jesus Christ in the church, in the world, all the way around the world. And so it's really a win-win. By the way, you don't have to go on a mission trip to serve God. Uh, you know, what, what the mission trips do 
Because there's, there's lots of things. You know, there's Sunday school, there's nursery, there's, there's Help Build Hope that we did yesterday at our church in Wadsworth. There was the Medina County Fair that we did the week before that. There's all kinds of service opportunities. And we want to give those service opportunities because it helps you plug into what God's doing here in this area. Uh, but I want to warn you, when churches don't do that, when they don't focus on the outside, when they don't focus on taking the gospel, whether it's in Medina County or on the, around the world, they develop a disease. And this disease in the church world is called inwarditis. In other words, where they begin to think about themselves and they think about taking care of their own needs and they think about everything that is for the good of them. And when that begins to happen, that is like the death knell of the church. And so it's always been very important to me and our church in Northside and Wadsworth to always reach out and to look out beyond our walls. And that's one of the reasons why this campus was started, to reach out to the people that live here in Medina that's, that just kind of figure that Wadsworth is just a little bit too far. Um, and so it's just absolutely a blessing. Let me, um, uh, let me share a couple of pictures here. Uh, first of all, here is a clinic, uh, and then you'll see the the team, and you will see, uh, if you can see that small, those small little faces, you'll see Elizabeth in that picture. You'll see Brooke in that picture. Uh, they were part of our medical team. Um, and there's the people on the right that's all lined up. They would sit in the dirt and wait. They would be seen in order that they got there. So if they were first in the morning, then they would wait, and then people just came all day. That's the inside of the clinic, one of the exam rooms and the shelves where they're going to store um, the supplies and medicines. Now, I wanted to show you that picture on purpose because our church, Northside Christian Church, built that clinic. And it's such an awesome thing that now we can also help to provide medical for that village and that area that they've never, ever had before. In fact, we had one of the fellows uh, was an African. He is studying to be a doctor. And when he graduates and becomes a full-fledged doctor, he will move to the village and he will work out of that clinic, and the church or the clinic that Northside Christian Church built will provide medical care for that community for years to come. And I think that's absolutely awesome. Let me show you the next picture. Here's our nurses. And again, uh, you see some of the nurses. Again, uh, I think, uh, is Brooke there? You're on the bottom right, and then uh, Elizabeth. And so uh, two of them are right here today. And we want you to have an opportunity to talk with them afterwards and see. But I've asked Elizabeth and then TJ, if they would, to share just a few moments of testimony from their own lips so you just don't have to hear about this story from me. Elizabeth? Hello, I'm Elizabeth. Um, I'm the daughter of Tim and Christine Shear. And I've been going to Northside since before I was even thought about. <laughs> um, so uh, my story kind of starts on going to Africa when I was eight. I was diagnosed with diabetes. I'm a type 1 diabetic. I got my glucose monitor here. Um, so through that, I have become a nurse to help educate other people about diabetes and just on overall health and care of themselves. I currently work at UH downtown, and I love my job. Um, through nursing school as well, I've this is my second time to Africa, so that was really cool. Um, my first time was in nursing school, and I 
wanted to go back, so my husband's going to go next. I told him ever since we met, we have to go to Africa. We have to go to Africa. And then when this opportunity came, he was like, oh. I was like, we have to go. There's no choice. So I brought him along. He was nervous about the travel, and I'm, I don't know if he'll talk about that, but lots of traveling, but in the end, it's worth it. Um, so I was able to be a nurse in Africa, and actually I was more looked at as a provider versus, you know, like the, the doctor's assistant, basically. That's, um, I saw and treated patients myself. Um, with a little, I would go to the doctors, you know, Brooke and Dr. Mike, and be like, hey, I haven't heard, seen this before. Like, what are your thoughts? Um, but, you know, it was really unique to be the one to treat um, firsthand these patients. Um, they were even just so thankful for me to just take their blood pressure. You know, someone to sit down with them for five minutes for free, closer to their to where they live than maybe going to the hospital um, and just take a moment to listen to their story to um, be able to treat them and to say you know your blood pressure is really well like you're really healthy you you're doing a good job um, a lot of people we saw um, because of the access they have don't have a lot of access to water and even fresh fruits and vegetables um, a lot of them, could have been their aches and pains, um, been treated with drinking more water, but that's really hard for them to do. So we provided tons and tons and tons of Tylenol and ibuprofen, and we gave not all of it away because we collected a lot. Um, we were able to leave some at, in that clinic um, for the doctor to use or the, the pastors to pass out as needed. But a lot of you know head pain, um, knees, feet pain, these women and men, they carry everything on their heads. They don't use their arms. They, they put it where they can use their arms and do other things while they're working. You know, uh, carrying babies on their back while they're carrying these five-gallon buckets of water on their heads. And they're incredible. They're just incredible. It was really rewarding to see how grateful these, these people were just for us to come and treat them with simple as Tylenol. Some of my patients do not want the Tylenol at the hospital, so it was very rewarding. They want something stronger. Um, that these patients are so grateful, so thankful that you were able to come and talk to them and give them Tylenol, 20 tablets even, just to help their pain a little bit. Um, it's really incredible. Uh, also, they would bring medical records. So, you know, in America, all of ours are electronic. Well, they don't have electricity over there. So a lot of them, these notebooks, maybe cut in half even, would be half little notebook. They would bring their record. That was their medical record. And they would bring it to us so we could see when they went, when their last visits were, and different things like that. And they just wrote on it with a pen, and that was their medical record. So just just the the variety, the difference um, it was really eye-opening to how lucky we are, how fortunate we are to live in America where everything is really accessible. And, you know, just here in, in Medina, we have access to lots of different hospitals. We don't have to, and we can drive there. We don't have to walk 
five, ten miles to them. We can drive in a matter of minutes be in a hospital if an emergency happens. Um, um, yeah, and then we were able to go to Victoria Falls, and um, yes, the, the train, not the train, I'm sorry, the truck. I don't know what he was doing, but he got himself in the middle of both sides, and all the bricks were falling over, and it was just incredible on how fast everyone with teamwork got together, um, passing the bricks along to get them off the road. And in, in America, something like that would happen. It would, the police would be there, no one would be able to help. It would take, you know, four or five hours, possibly longer, for this to get cleared up for the long line of traffic to, to go around. So it's just incredible to see everyone work together. You know, not judging, oh, well, you know, judging who you are next to you. We all got out and we all helped. Um, it was really unique to see that opportunity arise and we conquered that, um, conquered that and finished it. So, TJ, you wanna come up next? My name is TJ, I'm Elizabeth's husband that was forcefully dragged along for this trip. <laughs> now, um, she did ever since we got married, told us that, uh, told me that she wanted to go back to Africa because it was a thing that made, um, that uh, fulfilled her life at the time and did such a great job for her. So um, I was reluctant at first for the financial reasons, but it was an amazing trip. Ever since I can remember how small I was, first, second grade, I've always wanted to help people. I've had an innate, an innate feeling to try to go and support and help other people. That led me to become a teacher. My first job, I worked with kids in bouncy houses, just trying to make them smile, and I get to play all day, right? Um, I became a coach. Everything that I've done in my life to this point, I hope, and I've tried, is to help somebody else. Going on this trip, I had no idea what to expect, and I think that was the best thing for me because Everything I got out of it was a bonus. Getting there safely, not knowing how long the flight was, not knowing where we're landing, where I'm at, but just having trust, complete trust in God that this journey is going to take place and it's going to mean something and it's gonna, I'm going to be taken care of. Going to the schools, two, three schools a day, and being able to have conversations with thousands of kids is an unbelievable opportunity that I never thought I'd ever have the chance to do. I got to perform David and Goliath, and getting lost in that character of David helped me in a way that I still can't explain. Just having students, teachers, people from the community come that really had no involvement in that school, but they just walked in the community. They came to see the medical team to sit and watch that performance that our team was able to put on, I hope that it affected them and by their reactions, I think it did. As we went through, every single conversation that I had meant something. Every little talk that I had with a team member, having the language barrier between myself and a student, but still being able to connect with them meant so much to me. And as we say that we took the trip to go and provide for them, I really firmly believe we left with more than we gave them. 
internally, it was unbelievable what we were able to do, but what they were able to do for us. Being halfway across the world, it made me realize something. Smiles are universal. Love is universal. Christ is universal. Thank you. Thank you, as I said, <clears throat> absolutely tremendous, tremendous, tremendous trip. You meet so many people and so many different needs, uh, and not all of them turn out like you hope. Uh, this one lady came into the school that nobody had ever been to before. Like I said, probably, probably 1,200 kids in the school system, and we were doing the medical clinic there, and this woman came in, and she had a little baby about two months old, and one of our nurses was a lactation nurse that talked and worked with moms about nursing their babies. And uh, this mom came in, and, and for whatever reason, her milk had dried up. And so uh, there is no formula in, you think it's bad in America, there's no formula like in that country. And so, uh, you know, um, this, our nurse was talking to her and said, well, can you find a wet nurse? Can you find somebody else that's had a, you know, baby maybe that could help, you know, nurse your child? And the lady said, we don't do that in this country. And uh, so they brought the doctor in. The doctor talked to him and said, well, can you, can you use goat milk? Can you try to use goat milk and give your baby nourishment? And she said, we don't do that in this country. So we sent that mom home with that little baby, knowing that baby was going to die. And boy, did that really just wreak havoc with our nurse that worked with, with her. Because in America, that baby, that baby would live. Uh, another little girl that I thought was just uh, absolutely beautiful. I have a picture of her. Uh, take a look at those eyes. Uh, by the way, all the boys and girls, they all look the same. They all have their shaved heads. Uh, if they have a skirt on, they're a girl. If they have pants on, they're a boy. But this little girl had absolutely some of the most beautiful eyes I think I've ever seen. Um, and, and certainly there it, with, with, in that village and with the 12,000 African children, they all have brown eyes, and her eyes were so sparkling. So I went up to her, and they know a little bit of English, and so I tried to tell her, you've got the most beautiful eyes in this village, and I asked her if I could take a picture. So that's the picture I took. And uh, Yvonne, our missionary's wife, she went and talked to her too and told her she had beautiful eyes and, and uh, took her picture with, with her. And, uh, but if you look close, there's, there's really a little bit of sadness in those eyes. And the reason why there's sadness is because she's kind of depressed, because she's different. Everybody else has brown eyes and brown hair and brown skin, and she has blue eyes. You know, it dawned on me after the trip, they don't have mirrors, so she's probably never seen herself. So she would only know that she's different because other kids are saying, hey, you've got different color eyes, and uh, it made her sad. And what made me think is, is that... Uh, how she felt, her depression, her sadness, it came from the culture. It came from other people. It came from kids. It came from peer pressure. And, and so if there's a message, if you, how you feel about yourself, your self-esteem, your depression, your sadness, your have, don't take your cues from the culture because our culture will, will destroy your life. And take your cues from, from God. Take your cues from, from Jesus Christ that you are so worthy, uh, that, that you're special and you're unique. Uh, an original is always worth more than a, a copy. And so don't 
copy anybody else. Just be who God made you to be. Uh, that little girl was just, just precious. She was in America. Several of our team members said, man, if she's in America, she'd have been a supermodel. But there, she felt sad. Uh, so mission trips. Uh, you ask yourself, okay, wh what can I do? And there is a phenomenon in America <clears throat> called the bystander effect. And what the bystander effect is, is that people just stand by. And they have thoughts. It's like, you know, uh, look around. There, there's a lot of other people. Somebody else could do that job than I could. Or look at the church in Wadsworth. It's so much bigger. Uh, there's a lot of people. Somebody else. Somebody else could do that job. Uh, it's not that I don't care. I care. But somebody else could do that job. And, and it's like, not, not like not me. Or then people begin to rationalize and think, well, you know, what can I do? I'm too young, I'm too old, uh, you know, I'm too this, I'm too that. It's like, you know, I've never been trained, I don't, I don't know how to do it. And, and, then, uh, and then some people just fear, you know, they're afraid, man, if I go to Africa, I'm going to have to eat monkey meat, or I'm afraid of the travel, or I'm afraid of, you know, what's going to happen. And, and for, but for whatever reason, people end up being the bystander, and they don't do, like in the church. It's the purpose of Christ, it's the purpose of church, it's the purpose of all Christians. And yet, we come to church, and we just kind of sit there. So my goal is not for you just to hear a good sermon. By the way, churches sometimes count wins that really aren't wins. It is not about a good sermon. It's not about whether it's a good preacher or not. It's not about, uh, you know, coming and liking the music that we It is about learning so that we can apply that to our lives and go out and live for Jesus Christ. But, but for whatever reason, we have this tendency to be the bystander effect. Let me close with this last story. Uh, here's a picture that was uh, shown, I think, with the New York Times years and years ago. But this international photojournalist was in sub-Sahara Africa that actually is a little boy. They thought it was a little girl, but it's actually a little boy. And uh, he saw this, th this little boy was starving to death. And so he was trying to crawl, they said, about another half mile to a feeding center where he could get food. And when the photojournalist saw the vulture that was overlooking this little child, he sat there for 20 minutes waiting for the vulture to spread its wings because he thought that would be a better picture. Well, it didn't spread its wings, so he took the picture and then he left. When that picture was put in the New York Times... All of a sudden, questions started coming in. What happened to the, they were asking, what happened to the little girl? But it was a little boy. What, what happened to the little boy? He said, well, I don't know. Well, what'd you do? Well, I didn't do anything. I took the picture and I left. And he got so, so much criticism over that, that eventually he won a Pulitzer Prize for that photograph. Four months later, he committed suicide because he didn't do anything but then then it went not just from him but went back to the critics what did you do because it's easier to just criticize and say well, well what did you do you were in a place of, well but what did you do and I hope and pray that if God opens a door for you to help people or to share the gospel of Jesus Christ that you're not just a bystander but you're a person who says what can I do to help? Let's pray. God Almighty, you have blessed us so much in this country. And you have blessed our church beyond most that we've had the opportunity to help people. Whether it's in Africa or Mexico or Haiti or the dozens of trips that we've taken through the years 
and that we will continue to take in the future. Lord, whether it's things like Medina County Fair or Help Build Hope or working in our Christian camp. Uh, oh, there's so many things. God, even every Sunday morning, working in the nursery, teaching Sunday school, leading a small group, but bringing people to become a disciple of Jesus Christ, a disciple who wins other disciples. God, I pray that this campus, Northside Christian Church, Medina, will never be a bystander church. It will never develop the, the disease called inwarditis. But every single person will be focused on seeking and saving that which is lost. In Jesus' holy and precious name.